this is our, our third week in our sermon series. Um, let's make a deal. So, I'm operating under this belief that everybody wants to make good deals in life. So we make decisions accordingly. And I think this is true of our spiritual life as well. We all want to get a good deal spiritually as well. We, we pray because we think it pays off. We go to church because we think it pays off. It gives us a good deal. But it's hard for us to always do that. It's hard for us to be disciplined because like our society, we want kind of things for free and we want it all now, right? So it's hard for us to kind of that. But the problem is when you live just for now all the time and you, you give yourself pleasure all the time as much as you possibly can is that you start to become immune to it, right? But we do believe the Christian life Christian disciplines pay off if you can live beyond the moment of just wanting it and getting it right then and there. So I've been trying to give up sugar, and that's just a real, I want it now type of like, ugh, I want it, right? But you know, ultimately, if you don't eat as much sugar, it'll pay off in the long run. So we're proposing that the Christian life and a good life is a good balance of fasting from things, otherwise going without something for a period of time, and and with some feasting a time for just enjoying life, and enjoying all of life's good and healthy pleasures. And if you do a good balance of those things, your life will flourish. But the problem is, most of us start to feast all the time, and we never learn to fast. If you've been fasting and praying now, as some of us have for a couple weeks, I want to commend you, whatever you're doing. I'm not, everybody's doing different things, I'm sure. But I want to commend you. A lot of us are trying to work towards Easter. We got two down, we got four to, do, four to go. But the history of fasting is kind of confusing, and that's the reason why it hasn't held up so well over time. It's been around for a long time, but it's just kind of gotten muddled along the way in, in Christian practices. We've almost kind of forgotten about it. And the reason is plentiful, reasons why we've kind of forgotten about it. The Bible is not a manual on fasting. You can't just read it through it and say, okay, this is what you do, and this is how long it takes, and this is why you do it. It doesn't read that way. In fact, there's almost as, in the Bible, there's almost as much uh, talking about the dangers and the, and the problems as there are about the benefits. Because people fasted in many different ways, many different reasons they fasted. But I have you know, I've done my research, and I can find no evidence for Christians today to ever fast from bacon. There's just no proof, no reason to ever fast. Everything else you probably could find a reason for, but not bacon. You can always eat bacon. Most biblical fasts in the read through the Bible lasted for 12 hours, from sunup to sundown. There were some that happened for 24 hours, from from uh, sundown to sundown. And really, every major religion incorporates some type of fasting. And yet again, it's almost disappeared as a practice. It's interesting. Because Christians used to fast. 
They fasted for many different reasons, to identify with Christ's suffering, to enrich their prayer life, to identify with the poor, to seek God's will, to discipline their wills, to grow in holiness, and to prepare for spiritual warfare. The reasons are plentiful. So what did Jesus say about fasting? First scripture I want to read is Luke 4, 1-2. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. Now, of course, we cannot fast 40 days without food, but Jesus was empowered by God to do so. And so even Jesus fasted. And he is our ultimate example. And in this case, Jesus fasted to prepare himself for temptation. And Jesus assumed his followers would fast as well. He said in Matthew 6, 16 through 18, he says, When you fast, do not look as the hypocrites do, for they will disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do you catch the first three words that it doesn't say if you fast. It says when you fast. See, Jesus, I think by that you could say he was a proponent of fasting. He fasted. He, he assumed his disciples would fast. But he knew there was both a time to do it and a way to do it. And he's guarding against some of the dangers and some of the problems that people were falling into at that time with fasting. It is not to put on a show. And show how spiritual you are. In fact, if, if you are doing it with a sense of pride, you're proving how unspiritual you are. You don't ever get to control God. Sometimes people think that if they fast, then, okay, God, I'm, you need to do this now because I'm, you know, I'm serious. Serious. God gets to decide. Jesus also addressed it when to fast and when not to fast. In Mark 2, he says, When John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and disciples of Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and on that day they will fast. Jesus responds here to the question why his disciples weren't fasting. Why? Basically, he tells them because it's a time for feasting. I am with them. It's a time to feast. There's a time to fast and a time for feasting. Some people think, oh, if I'm a Christian, all I get to do is fast. Life isn't, I don't ever get a party and have fun anymore. You know, we'll party a little differently, but, but, but we still party. We still celebrate. We still have bacon bonanzas, right? And other people are just the opposite. Well, it doesn't mean as a, as a Christian I can I can still enjoy all the time everything and and there's no there's no reason to fast because I'm a Christian now. I can just feast all the time. And so we get it mixed up. But prayer and fasting are often linked in the Bible. They go together like Batman, Robin, I don't know, bacon and hillside something. And it's good to battle against our bodily desires, but it's never a good thing to see your bodies as evil. And there's a difference. 
Fasting is not about getting all your heart's desires from God, granting all your wishes. It's not a magic formula. If you are familiar with the C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia stories, do you know that these kids crawl into the wardrobe to hide and play hide-and-seek, and they discover Narnia as they go to the back. They find a hidden land. And sometimes when you crawl back, if, if, if fasting is the wardrobe, sometimes you crawl to the back, and sometimes you find, wow, this wonderful new world, and sometimes you just find the back of the wardrobe. And only God decides what you find when you're there. Again, it's not about... But fasting is good for the body, I believe. It's good for the soul. It's good for the mind. It's about using a discipline to find freedom, but letting the results be in God's hands. While it can definitely be about bringing you to God, it can also be about changing the world. It's not just about you. Fasting can have broad effects. Fasting can reveal what's inside of you, and some of that is not always good, because when you're hungry, and you're feeling that, or if you're fasting on food, you're feeling that desire, then you get, like if you have a temper, it starts to come out. And it starts to reveal. But the good part of that is, you realize how weak you are. And then you come to God and lean for Him for His strength. So even in your weakness, you discover God's strength. The main thing that I have been wanting to pound home and the idea of fasting is that it's uniting of the body and the soul, which we tend to separate. And we need to make sure we bring... And, and by in, engaging in fasting and prayer, we realize this is a whole body-soul experience. And one affects the other. Now, if some of you have been fasting um, and you're trying to fast to Easter, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, maybe you've given up chocolate, and you've given up chocolate just straight the whole time. But some of us are fasting for certain windows or certain time frames. You know, we enjoy it on Sunday, we enjoy the thing, and then on, on other days we do it during certain times we fast, and other times we don't. Now, that's called um, the, the reducing window plan. Okay? So the, every week I've been kind of upping the ante so that our bodies get used to or uh, the, that change. This week's challenge. So like for me, I'm giving up sugar. And I'm also giving up food certain hours. So if you want to get, last week we, we lowered our window to a, to a, an eight hour window where we could eat or, or, or enjoy our pleasure. We're going to continue to do that for three days of the week. This week. But the other three days we're going to lower our window to four hours. So if you're giving up technology or whatever like that, you can decide what what four hours am I going to do? Or, or if you're giving up food or chocolate. I'm so for me, I am going to give up eating from I'm going to say three to all hours except three to seven p.m. on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. The other days I will continue to do what I did last week. If you're getting your body used to fasting, might work better on a gradual approach. So we're kind of 
learning to go without food for a short period of time. Now, on feasting on Sunday, you can still enjoy all your feast. If you need a reminder of some of these things, they're in the back. But this, this is the extreme fast. For someone like me who's just addicted to sugar, I just had to do this. Because I just crave sugar so bad that, you know, I want my sodas, I want my chocolate, all that. I just really had to see if my body could switch and not be addicted to that. The main part of this fasting, though, is really the prayer time. And whether you're fasting or not, I encourage you to pray. And we're having a prayer focus each and every week. Now, the first week, we encourage you to focus on body discipline, we called it. Put the needs of your soul above the needs of your body. Last week, we encourage you to focus on body turning, which is going to God in times of confession, repentance, and forgiveness. This week, we get focus off ourselves, and we gauge in what we're going to call a body plea. So we had body discipline, body turning, and now body plea. This couldn't have come at a better week. God is good. A body plea is turning to God in response to the world's disasters or evils. I did not know the coronavirus would be so prevalent when I planned out this series. And we turn to God to plead for grace and mercy and justice. We ask God for revival in our land. Revival simply means God would pour himself out on us. Are we desperate enough to do that yet? Do we do we realize yet as this taught us anything that we are in desperate need of God's grace, mercy, and justice. You know, God's people have faced this question over and over throughout history. I, again, I was recalling this morning, you know, 9-11 and when that happened and how people reacted. You know, in the book of Judges, there was a time too when God's people were without a judge to lead them. And whenever they didn't have a judge to lead them, the God's people did something. It seemed logical. It seemed normal for them to do. In fact, it's something we really promote today. We really encourage people to think this way and act this way. And we encourage our kids to do this as well. We think of it as a positive positive thing. And yet it led to God's people going into idol worship and sin. What was it that we do when we encourage that was so harmful for God's people. I can tell you in one verse, Judges 21 to 25. In those days, Israel had no king. And everyone did as they saw. It's your first take-home scripture for the week. It's a blunt reminder of where we are at today. This is the philosophy we've embraced as a culture. We've been there in the past. Now, on the surface, it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, we also just use common sense and just do what we think is right because we can't really judge what anybody else is doing. So, everybody. But when you look at it closer, it doesn't work. First of all, some people have no common sense. And other people's sense of values is so mixed up and right and wrong and, and whatever. Just like this coronavirus. I mean, whoa, what are some people thinking? What will happen 
to our society if we keep operating and keep promoting this idea, hey, just everybody would do what they think is right. I'm afraid that's maybe a lot closer to where we're at today. But God never gives up on us. And God didn't give up on his people back then either. He called Samuel to lead his people back to him. So in 1 Samuel, he says, Then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. So Samuel said to the Israelites, If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths, and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their bales and Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. And when they assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And on that day they fasted, and there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. And now Samuel was serving as leader of Israel at Mizpah. We're not playing games here, folks. I'm not trying to tell you that you have to fast. I'm just trying to tell you there are reasons to start to sacrifice. There are reasons to come to God in that type of mindset and prayer because our world is in trouble. And it's not just about a virus. It's about people thinking, well, everybody just do what they think is best. It'll all turn out okay. That was your second scripture. The third one is a piggyback right next to it, just right after that. In 1 Samuel it says, When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. And when the Israelites heard it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. And they said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And he cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf. And the Lord answered. And the Lord answered. Where are you at in your faith? Where are you at in your mindset about do we all just need to keep doing what we think is right? Is that really going to bring our nation where we need to be? Our world? Or is that just going to bring more problems? More sin? We're going to end up worshiping, worshiping idols in many different ways just like the people did back then. It's just repeating the cycle over and over again. Will you be a Samuel this week for your community? Because we need Samuels desperately right now. Will you pray for our community? Would you consider fasting in whatever way? Doesn't that be food? Fasting and praying. Unite your body and your soul together. Will you pray against evil? Will you pray against this virus? You know, sometimes we really don't know what prayer does, so we don't do it because we're not sure what... Be confident. It doesn't mean God's going to do exactly what you want, but your prayers are heard. Your prayers are acted upon in one way or another. If we... we we got to pray that we're not going to continue to do what is right in our own eyes. We have to come together under God's authority because God wants what's best for our nation, our world, our people. But we have to unite ourselves under His desires. 
Will you pray for revival in our land? For God to pour himself out on our people? I don't know if this virus thing is going to pass over in a week, or I don't know if it's just going to start getting worse. But it's just a reminder to me of where we're at. How crazy people get operating under their own way of thinking. Under their own way of thinking, doing what they're, they think is right. The church, you and I, we've got to be standards. We have to lift up to God for our people. God will listen. God will listen. You know, I would just encourage you this week. There are so many ways to be a Samuel in our community right now. Maybe the elderly. Maybe you have someone in your life that you can reach out to and say, hey, I just know that this virus is a little scary, and I know that I just want to see how you're doing. You doing okay? Maybe because of certain situations, uh, if schools are closing and teachers and, and families might be affected in how they work and their hours because they have kids at home now, maybe you can just tell someone, hey, I know this is hard for you. I'm going to pray for you this week. And then check up on it. Say, how are you doing? Maybe if some of you are really bold, say, can I just pray for you right now out loud? You know, very few people don't appreciate a prayer. Really. So think of a way. Think of a way you can be Samuel this Okay? All right. Have a good week.